Hey guys, I want you to do something. This young woman, this is her last weekend at Thor Creek Church. And uh, she's moving to Mississippi to be with her mom and dad. And I know God's gonna use her there. She's been here since she's been about seven, eight years old. And she's been serving God faithfully in this church. I want you guys, you're the only ones that have done this in all three services. Would you show her appreciation for her ministry here at Thorn Creek Church? Oh, Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. We honor you. We worship you, Jesus. You are the King of Kings. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to someone and tell them happy Pentecost Sunday. You may not, and then you can have a seat, and feel free to have a seat. We're going to have some, uh, after this service, guys, there's cake. So this is a time when um, God wants you to load up on carbs and sugar today. It's a message I heard from the Lord. And, uh, but, um, but please enjoy that, and when, make sure you tell Faith thank you. She's been such a blessing in this church, and we appreciate her and pray for her. She heads out to Mississippi on Wednesday morning. So uh, keep, her, keep her in prayer. Um, I want to share a couple of things with you before we jump into the message. Super excited. Right now, as we speak, we're expanding our ministry. And um, super exciting. So uh, um, there's a senior adult community it's called Innovage. And it's right behind... It's on, on Washington and, and uh, 120th Street, right behind Super Target, Barnes and Nobles, and it's right behind there. Um, Kathy Lyon, who attends this church, her, her son is Pastor Jeremy Lyon, and uh, Kathy Lyon lives there, and this, this uh, unit is, is full of people who are kind of at a certain age in life, and uh, a lot of them are not able to get around. And what we're doing every Sunday at 11 o'clock is we're putting on like a watch party in their in their in this building and and they have a theater room so we're sending thorn creakers so right now this is happening live where there's like three or five thorn creakers there and they're in their thorn creek merch and they're welcoming people and they're setting up the tv so they can watch the thorn creek church service in that room so cool i'm, I'm glad you put your hands together for that uh, this is kind of a forgotten population a lot of times when people get to a certain age they just become ignored or neglected or whatever it is. And a lot of them, they don't know how to like download stuff on their iPad or devices or phones. And now they can just go down the elevator and they can do the church right there. Isn't that beautiful, guys? Isn't that exciting? And uh, the manager already said, hey, if the theater room gets too full, you can take over the lobby. That's the plan. So we're so excited about this. And um, if you want to be a part of that, let us know. But it's just a cool, cool thing. My heart is excited. So uh, Thorn Creek is expanding and growing, and we're loving on this these wonderful people. Um, the other thing I want to share with you before we jump into uh, into the message is every every May. Actually, it starts probably in January, but by the time May rolls around, we evaluate our church finances. So this isn't done just by me. This is done by our finance team which is full of uh, three financial professionals. They're really a dream team and grateful for their ministry. So we evaluate uh, our finances and we work on a budget. And we say, we ask, like, what does God want to do and how is he moving? So 
we create a budget, um, a new budget, and it, it goes from June 1 to May 31. That's our church calendar year. And what we do then is we present it to the church board, and the church board approves or, or doesn't approve or asks questions or whatever, and, and they approve the budget. So the big deal about this is, let me say it like this. Um, I mean, there was a time in the life of Thorn Creek when our budget, I don't know, was kind of like $1,000 a month. A month. You got to remember this church started in my living room. <laughs> so you don't know how far we've come, guys. You don't know how far we've come. Um, so a, a sign of a healthy church is a church that prays. It's a church that loves. It's a church that serves those people inside the walls, outside the walls. It's a church that gives. If you look at any church that's making an impact, there's giving people behind it. So I get super excited when our budget goes to another level. That just means we're growing and we're, 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 we're doing greater things. That's what that means. Do you understand what I'm saying? The other side of a church, you don't want to be, I mean, you'd be part of any church if the Lord calls you to that church, but it's a whole different story when the church is just saying, we got to do less, we got to do less, we got to do less, we got to do less. That's a different mindset. God has continued to grow this church and each year our budget continues to increase. So when we increase the budget, I get excited because <laughs> I'm like, oh, what is God going to do? So I want you to, I want to make sure all of us are on the same mindset. That's why I'm taking time unpacking this. So here's the new budget. Uh, right now, right now, don't, don't, don't put it yet, Ezra. Right now, uh, we're $15,500 per weekend. That's the budget goal every weekend. Now, here's the new budget goal for for june 1 2023 to may 31 2024 you guys give me like some drum roll stop your feet or something like that do something like that all right here it is it's sixteen thousand five hundred dollars every weekend I'm so glad you're clapping because <laughs> it is a thing of celebration it just means we are growing we want to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in a greater way in our community and online. And it's exciting to see God move. So I want to thank many of you. Thank you. Many of you are giving. Grace and I have been giving. Gosh, I got, when I got saved at the age of 18, I started tithing. And God has never let me down. And she's been tithing even before that, when she was a child. Our children tithe. I mean, from the days when they got paid babysitting money. I mean, it's just always been like that. And uh, so many of you are doing the same thing. Honoring God with your finances is a big deal. Churches that are strong are backed by people who are loving and praying and serving and giving. And I want to thank all of you who are doing that. If you haven't crossed that step of faith, and it is a step of faith, it's a part of your worship. I want to encourage you to do it. I always tell people, honor God with your tithe at your local church first. And everything beyond that as the Lord leads you. But I want to encourage you to tithe with every part of your income on a weekly basis. That's what we've done in our home. And God has 
proven to be faithful. Some of you have done that also. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm, you, some of you, you know, put your hands together. Let people know that you know what it's like. Some of you, hasn't God been faithful? You've been tithing all the time and the Lord is saying, you know who you are. And, and I want to encourage everyone to take that step of faith. It makes us stronger as a church. So if you've been on the fence, whether to start or whether to do it every month, um, today is a good day to start. <laughs> today is a good day for you to take that step and trust God and see what God does. We want to reach our goal of $16,500 every week. And uh, God, God can move in great ways, and, and he'll continue to move as we exercise faith. All right, guys? We're done talking about money. Anybody want to leave right now because we talked about money? Just get... Oh, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. And Lord, I just pray that you bless this message and have your way here, God. In your name I pray. Amen. I'm sorry. Don't leave. I was, that was a silly joke. I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me. Um, hey, anybody excited about the Denver Nuggets? Anybody excited about that? Some of you are like, Denver Nuggets? That's the, you think, is that the team with the horse on the helmet? Is that the, no, no, no. I, I love, I love sports, but basketball, they remind me of the early days of the San Antonio Spurs, the way they play team basketball. But, uh, you know, this is a, a franchise um, that uh, started in 1977, and they have never been to the dance. They've never been to the NBA finals, and for the first time ever, they're going to the finals, and they'll be playing either the Celtics or the Heat, and it's super exciting right now. I'm, like, recording every game because on Saturday nights it comes on, and I'm, like, preaching, so I'm recording the game, and I'm watching it at 1130 at 12 o'clock at night, and Grace is like, come to bed. I'm like, I got to watch the game. You know, I'm so excited about it. But uh, I think there's something in us that is excited when we see a team, like, uh, break you know, the ceiling, break new, new, new thresholds, new boundaries, and they do things that they've never done before. I think there's just something exciting about that. I think we get excited when we see someone on a personal level make some decisions or they break the, the glass ceiling. Like, like when someone says, hey, I've been clean for six months. That's worthy of celebration. Or I've been clean for one year. Or I've been clean for five years. Now, we get excited about that because we know that's a real accomplishment. Or it could be, hey, I'm going to church every week. Or I'm reading my Bible now all the time. And you might look at that and think, that's a spiritual accomplishment. And it's just like, wow, way to go. Way to go. Today, we're talking about starting over. I want to talk to you about a king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah, uh, as I prayed about this, and you look in the Old Testament, you see like good kings and bad kings and righteous kings and evil kings, and they're all starting over. But Hezekiah was a guy who started over, but he was concerned about God's, God's will. He was concerned about doing it right before the eyes of God. Now, before we jump into Hezekiah and what he did as king of Judah, I want to start with his daddy. His daddy was a guy who's named uh, Ahaz. Can you say Ahaz with me? Ahaz. That's daddy. So here's a little bit about daddy. Second Chronicles chapter 28. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. 
He did what church he did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord as his ancestor David had done. Instead, he followed the example of the kings of Israel. He cast metal images for the worship of Baal. He offered sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, even, even sacrificing his own sons in the fire. In this way, he followed the detestable practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. That's King Ahaz. Evil king, stubborn, prideful. So consider this. His son, Hezekiah. His son, Hezekiah, is 25 years old when he becomes king. So for 25 years, all Hezekiah had was an example of what he did not want to be. All Hezekiah had was an example of what a prideful heart looks like, a stubborn heart looks like. He had a great example of someone who said, it doesn't matter what God says. It doesn't matter what you do. In fact, he had a perfect example of someone who neglected church, didn't believe in the value of church, didn't believe, he thought church was a waste of time. That was Ahaz. Ahab, Ahaz was a perfect example of, of wickedness and pride and evil, and he showed his son how to worship other gods. This is how you worship the god of pleasure. This is how you worship the god of money. This is how you worship the, the god of whatever. And that's Hezekiah's example. That's what he had. And maybe you could identify with that. And if you've been blessed to have a righteous mom and dad, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. But others, other times, maybe, maybe you did not have that blessing. Maybe you've had a really good example of someone that you really don't want to be. You know what I'm talking about? You looked at their life, and they never went to church. You looked at their life, they never gave. You looked at their life, they never served. You looked at their life, they rarely thought about others. And that's been your example, maybe, in your life. When I look at this, guys, the first thing I see is this. It's not too late. It's not too late. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them it's not too late. It's not too late. Hezekiah looks at his dad and says, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy. Some of you have made decisions like that. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you have seen some things. Maybe you grew up in a home that broke up and you made a vow that, you know what, I'm never going to get a divorce because I know what it, went, what it felt like. Or maybe you saw how alcohol impacted your home. And to this day, you're like, I'm not going to touch one drink of alcohol because I've seen what it does in a home. Or maybe it's drugs and you're like, I'm never going to take one hit or one snort or one whatever because I have seen how it rips up a house. You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe it's at work. Maybe you have worked for someone and you know what it feels like to be mistreated. You know what it feels like. So you made this commitment that if, if you're ever in charge and if you ever have a staff, if you ever have employees, 
you're never going to treat them like that. You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe it's, you know what, I'm never going to treat my man like that. Or I'm never going to treat my woman like that. You have a God who knows how to start over. You have a God who knows how to start over. Let's jump into this, guys. Hezekiah. And this is a whole new thing. Hezekiah, all his life, he learned other things. He learned how to be hypocritical, hypocritical, hurtful, unfaithful, mean, all those things. But he's different. Verse 1. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became the king of Judah. How old was he? 25. And he reigned in Jerusalem how many years? 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. In the very first month of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He summoned the priests and Levites to meet him at the courtyard east of the temple. He said to them, listen to me, you Levites, purify yourselves and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. Our ancestors were unfaithful and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. They turned their backs on him. They also shut the door to the temple's entry room and they snuffed out the lamps. They stopped burning incense and presenting burnt offerings at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger has fallen upon Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread, horror, and ridicule, as you can see with your own eyes. Because of this, our fathers have been killed in battle, and our sons and daughters and wives have been captured. But now, say but now with me, guys, but now. I will make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will, tur will turn away from us. Hear this. It only takes one. It only takes one. In the home, with friends, work, whatever, in the family, it only takes one to say, I'm going to change the trajectory of life. It only takes one to say, you know what? I have all the reasons. I have all the excuses. I have all those negative examples. But I'm going to live differently. Someone once said, uh, one man with a conviction is worth more than a thousand with an interest. Conviction is strong. When you have a conviction, it moves you to make some decisions and you take stands and you, you act out courageously because of a conviction. When you have an interest, you're not willing to die for it. It's just an interest. But when you have a conviction, a strong conviction, really strong conviction, you're even willing to die for it. And Hezekiah, he looked over his life and he saw the example of his evil father and he said, you know what? I'm not going to live that life. 
He was so aware of it. If you, when you look at this passage, I mean, Hezekiah even says, hey, I know why all of these things are happening in, in our home. I know why all these things are happening in our nation. I know why these people are suffering and these people are suffering. It starts because my father did not put God first. So he has this spiritual awareness of why. How do you start over? How do you start over? Here's the first thing you got to do. If you want to start over in your life, start over in your faith, start over in your home, here is this. Starting over starts with changing the way you think. You got to change the way you think. Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2 says this. Hezekiah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. So at some point, at some point, like this switch flipped in Hezekiah's mind. And he was aware that, you know what? God sees everything. You know what? God hears everything. Nothing is hidden under the eyes of God. And then he became aware that, you know what? The way I live in this world matters to God. The way I treat others matters to God. The way I worship matters to God today. And then this other thought entered his head. I want to live a life that pleases God. I want to live a life where God looks at me and smiles. I want to live a life where people around me may not care, but I want to please I'm going to please God. I want the audience of one to applaud. I want to please him. So Hezekiah got to this place where he's like, you know what? Daddy did not act like that. Daddy Ahaz did not like, act like that. And I see the spiritual consequences. But I'm going to think differently. I'm going to live differently. And I'm going to live a life that's pleasing to God. You got to change your thinking. You got to change your thinking. That's why it's so valuable to spend time in God's word because God's word will show you who God is. And, and, and when we spend time in God's word, it affects our thinking. You know, it's, it's, uh, some people think it's important to get through God's word. It's like, I want to hurry up and get through it or whatever. But I want to say this. It's more important for God's word to get through you. You hear that? It's way more important. It's way more important. It's, it's good to learn and know. That's a great thing, but it doesn't end there. It really becomes true by the way you live. And some of you need to change your thinking. Maybe you came to church thinking, oh, this is a waste of time. Or maybe you came to church thinking, oh, this is a one-time thing and I'm not going to come back. Or maybe you came and you're like, oh, this message is not for me. It's for someone else. You got to change your thinking and think, you know what? Maybe God's not done with you. Maybe God has a plan for you. God loves you. God cares about you. You got no worries. You got no worries. Some of you naturally think negatively. You naturally, you're that cynical person you're that sarcastic person. You're that person who always, I mean, it's, it's half full and there's something around the corner that's it's a bat. You know, maybe you need to change your thinking and think well, maybe God's bigger. Maybe God's so big that you don't have to 
be anxious about anything. Maybe he loves you so much that you don't have to worry about anything. Maybe. Some of you came to church and you might be thinking, you know what, I don't know if this is for me or I'm going to hold back. Maybe God wants you to take a step forward. Maybe God wants you to exercise some faith. Maybe it's not about, you know what, I want to make sure I'm comfortable, but maybe God's saying, I want you to become uncomfortable. I want to teach you some things. Or maybe you have some stubbornness and some pride and maybe God's saying, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to humble yourself and and cry out to God, whatever it might be. God wants to change your thinking. On uh, Fridays, I typically uh, I work on the message. And, you know, when I work on a message, uh, it's just like a, it's it's like a, it starts in a seed form. How many of you are moms? You have you gave birth to a child. Raise your hand if you gave birth. Uh, and you were pregnant for about nine months or so. I know exactly what that feels like. I just want you to know that. <laughs> this is as close as I can get to pregnancy. <laughs> because the word of God, like I, the message starts and it's like working in here. And it, it's birthed out, you know, on Saturday at 6 o'clock. That's when it's birthed out from, am I close, ladies? Probably not. I'm sure. But that's as close as I can get. But on Friday, I was working and someone calls me. And says, hey, Pastor Ruben, are you, at the, are you at the office? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll blow myself. And then this person says, um, I'm about to go on a camping trip. Are you okay if I take my truck and camper and, and stop by? And would you just pray over my truck and pray over my camper? I've never been asked. To, I've been, I prayed over all kinds of stuff, anything from dogs and fish and houses and everything. But I've never been asked to pray over a, a camper. I have over vehicles. So they came by, and I laid my hands on the truck, and I said, God, take care of this truck. Make sure it runs smoothly and watch over it and bless the conversation in the cab. And, and then I went to the camper, and I said, God, and take care of this, and I pray you just watch over them and keep them safe from bears attacking and take care, you know, all that stuff. And then, I, and then I, afterwards, the guy gave me a hug. The guy gave me a hug. And I, I looked at him, and I was like, there's a dude who's changed his thinking. He's concerned about honoring God. He's concerned about the blessings of God. He's concerned about God watching over him all the time. Do you, you hear that? When God changes a heart, people do strange things. All of a sudden, they're more concerned about, you know what, I want to make sure I'm right with God, so I'm going to treat this person a certain way, even though they don't deserve it. I want to please God with the way I show grace and mercy and forgiveness, even though they don't deserve it. Because God has forgiven me for so much, how can I hold a grudge? When you turn to God, God changes the way you think. Next thing I want you to see is this. Starting over means you start somewhere. You start somewhere. There's this one line here in verse 3. It says, in the very first month of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. Reopen. It was in the very, in the very, what does it say? In the very first month. Say first month with me. In the very, of the what? Of the, okay, so he's gotten this title called king. It's like he's new to the company. He gets his title and, and whatever that title is. But it happens in the very first month of the first year. 
And what's the first thing he does? We gotta reopen the temple doors. We need to do church, family. We need to go to church. We need to go to, this is his first act. Think about this. You don't read anything about him meeting with leadership or board or any of this stuff or partners or, first thing, we gotta open up the doors of the church. We need God. And the house of the Lord is where the presence of the Lord is and we need to worship together. We need to hear God's word. We need church. Well, guess what? Guess who nailed these doors shut? Daddy. Daddy nailed him. But he's looking back and he's saying, you know what? I saw the consequences of that kind of life. And I don't want those consequences. And he does something really powerful. And he says, open the doors. That takes courage. Remember, 25 years he had an example of someone that he questioned. That's hard because, you know, those first 25 years, they're, they're formative, aren't they? I mean, I bet you can tell me stories, right? You can tell me stories of great times, and you can tell me stories of great pain. You can tell me stories where you were confused or whatever it might be. And a lot of times the rest of our adult life, we're just like working through what we learned the first 25 years of our life. You know what I'm saying? We're just working through what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to walk by faith? I mean, much of our life is unpacking what we've learned. Let me say it again. It's not too late. With God, anything is possible. Hezekiah says, you know what we're going to do? Take the, get, somebody get a hammer. I need a hammer. Somebody get a hammer. Let's take off those nails from that church. Open up those doors. We need God in our life. We need God in our life. And the second thing he did, here's another spiritual one. He said, hey, where are all the Levitical priests? All of you who got laid off, you're hired again. Come on back. Put your uniforms back on. You're coming back. The Levitical priests were the ones who were responsible for helping the people get right with God. They were the ones who did church. They were the ones who, uh, you know, you provide sacrifices, burnt offerings, bulls, lambs, sheep, whatever. They were the ones who facilitated the process of forgiveness and redemption. So, so Hezekiah knows those guys are designated. They're appointed by God to help us get right with God. So open up the doors and call all the people that were laid off. You're hired again. Bring all the Levitical priests back, and we're going to start doing church again. And then the third thing he does is this. There's an annual festival. It's the Super Bowl for all Jews, all Hebrews. And Hezekiah says, we're going to do Passover again. It's a famous celebration marking the day that the angel of death passed over the Israelites when they were delivered out of Egypt. Passover, huge celebration. It's the great celebration when Jesus rode in on Palm Sunday. That was Passover happening that day too. So Hezekiah says, open up the doors of the church, bring in the Levitical priests, and let's do Passover. And it's going to be a national holiday. And it's not just for Judah, the southern kingdom, but it's also for Israel, the northern kingdom. So immediately Hezekiah 
does something. And I, I just believe God is calling some of you to be a Hezekiah. You got problems going on in your life. Things are happening in your life. And you might not know, you know, what, what the answer is, but I want to say it starts with Jesus. There's no problem you're facing that's too complicated for Jesus. And you need to turn to God with all of your heart, just like Hezekiah. Just like Hezekiah, turn to him with all of your heart. This is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is the day or the anniversary day. It's 50 days after the resurrection. And it marks the day the Holy Spirit fell down on the apostles. That's what Pentecost is. It marks the day the Holy Spirit fell down. I got to read this, guys, because it's, well, let me, let me show you a picture. This is a picture of like the flames of fire, the Holy Spirit coming down on the apostles. I just like this picture because it's such a mysterious thing. But when, Holy, when the Holy Spirit came down on the apostles, they were changed. I mean, Simon Peter was not courageous enough to confess Jesus as Lord when he was around a campfire to a little girl. He was not courageous enough to confess Jesus as Lord when he was asked by the rulers of that day. But then after Pentecost, the guy stands up in front of thousands of people and preaches a lights out message about Jesus. He's changed. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Craziness. Other languages. I think I like this picture of Pentecost a little bit better because this picture looks like chaos. You see that? The Holy Spirit comes down on this church, and all of a sudden, they're changed. See, the gospel message is about transformation. It's about changing hearts. You have a hard heart, and God wants to give you a soft heart. And when he pours his spirit on you, and some of you need the spirit of God, you cannot live a life pleasing to God on your own strength, on your own willpower. You need God's Holy Spirit to fill you and help you live out that life that's pleasing to God. You need that. You need that. Third thing I want to say this. Starting over means you take a bath. Take, turn to the person next to you and just tell them you need a bath. Can you do that? Tell them you need a bath. <laughs> Some of you aren't even going to look at them. You're like, I got to drive home with them. I'm not going to say anything. Take a bath. Let me, show you, let me show you what that means. Verse 5, here it is. Hezekiah said to them, listen to me, you Levites. And then what does he say? Purify yourselves. And there it is again. And what? And purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. Why is this important? The people of God were commanded to bathe and change their clothes. The married couples were to devote themselves wholly to the Lord. And the significance of this command was that in ancient times, water was considered a luxury. Now, that's a little bit different today. I mean, I love 
just turning on the hot shower. Praise God for hot shower, right? I love just jumping in the shower. It's a great thing. But during these days, it was considered a luxury. And the bathing and changing of clothes was an illustration that you're starting over. You're beginning again. Anybody feel like that? Like after you shower, isn't like that the greatest feeling you come out? Like you're like, oh, all right, I feel clean and I'm ready to go. That's why I love showers. It's a problem. A problem. So when Hezekiah said you got to bathe yourself, he was really saying you need to cleanse yourself from sin. King David said it like this in Psalm 51. He said, wash me thoroughly from my wickedness and guilt and cleanse me from my sin. That was his prayer. I think to get to that point takes a lot of courage because the only way you get to the point where you recognize, you know what? I need a bath, a spiritual bath. The only way you get to that point if you become self-aware that you stink. Have you ever been with someone who lacks self-awareness? You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, don't you see what I see? It's like someone that has bad breath and they're the only ones who don't know it. You know what I mean? It's just like, you ate all those Fritos, dude. <laughs> it's like, whatever it is. Or they have a smell and you're like, you know what? You need to take a... You know, we can, spiritually speaking... Spiritually speaking, we can have blind spots. And if you think about it, it takes great courage to say, all right, God, I need you. I need you. It's an awareness that, hey, this is a mistake in my life. We'll just call it that for a little bit. It's a mistake. Now, I think the challenge sometimes is our pride, our ego, our stubbornness can be so strong that we defend our mistake. We're not going to call it a mistake. No, I'm not going to tell you I was wrong. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Everybody in the room knows it was a mistake, but you refuse to acknowledge that it was a mistake. Pride will keep you from turning to God. But it's courageous when you say, you know what? Yeah, I need the grace of God. Forgive me. God, forgive me, and I need to ask forgiveness from others. God, I have an increasing desire to be right with you because you see everything happening in my life. And I want you to be pleased day and night, wherever I'm at, I want you to be pleased with my life. That takes courage, guys. That takes courage. The truth is we all need the grace of God sinner and saint. <laughs> we all need the grace of God. The gospel is about transformation. And Hezekiah recognized, you know what? We all need to take a bath. Here at, the ch at this church, guys, as a pastor, I have this, uh, one of, I mean, my goal is for you to know Jesus, for you to know Jesus more and more in your life. We're about reaching those people who are far from God, who don't want to go to church. And we're also about helping those who know Christ grow and mature spiritually. That's called making disciples. And we look at every page of this Bible, because I believe it's the Word of God. And there's nothing like this book. 
There's nothing like this. It's inspired word of God. All 66 books. And we try to, I try to preach every page um, in its context with sound doctrine. Well, that's hard sometimes, guys, because there's certain pages we want to rip out. But we got to look at the whole thing. We got to look at the whole thing. You, you know, I, I, I want to do everything possible to help position you spiritually for the blessings of God. You hear that? I want to do everything possible to help you get to that place where you experience the full life God has for you in Christ Jesus. So there, there's the motive, guys. I'm being totally transparent with you. Having said that, as I read this passage about couples turning to God and being clean, I want to do something that we have not done, guys, in I think it's been about 12 years. Some of you may remember this. Here's what we're going to do. It's called Why Not Weekend, July 29 and 30. That's a Saturday and a Sunday. Here's what this is, guys. If you are with someone and you're not married, hello, you're playing house. You're in a relationship and maybe maybe you guys have been engaged for like 15 years now or something. Or maybe you just started living together and you've been doing it for a while. I want to encourage you to get right before the eyes of God. And we're going to marry you on July 29 and 30 in this service. How about them apples? How about them apples? Last time we did this, guys, we had seven couples that got married. Seven couples that said, hey, sign me up. So for those of you who are thinking, I can't afford a wedding, we got you. For those of you who are thinking, I can't afford premarital counseling, we got you. We'll take care of that too. So if you know someone who should be married, you can take a picture of that and send it to, <laughs> send it to them and say, I have a great idea. <laughs> Our church is having a wedding this weekend. You know what, guys? God has a life for you. He has a life of blessing for you. And the life that he has, a blessing is way better than the money you have in your account that you can buy stuff with. Way better than whatever lifestyle you could afford for yourself. I like the way this all wraps up. Verse 5, 2 Kings says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. When I look at that, you know, I, I, I ask myself this question. I ask, all right, what are they going to say about me? Let me ask you, what's going to be said about you? What's going to be said about you? It's not too late. Say it with me. It's not too late. It's not too late. Say it. Say it out loud. It's not too late. Say it, say it with some soul. It's not too late. It's not too late. God is in the business of starting over. Some of you, maybe that first step is turning to Jesus and saying, all right, Jesus, you know my life, and I want you to be my Lord and Savior, and I want you to invade my life, and I want you to become my, my God. Others of you, you might consider yourself a good person or maybe even a Christian, um, but maybe God's calling you out to be a Hezekiah to change the trajectory of your life. And the first thing you got to do 
is open up those doors that have been nailed shut and say, I'm going to do life different. I'm going to put God first in my life. And I'm going to run to God like all out. And I'm going to trust him to take care of my life and my home and my future. I'm going to trust his grace and mercy to forgive me for all of my sins. And I'm going to trust that he's going to use everything I've gone through for his glory. And I'm going to live a life that's pleasing to God and trust him to help me. That's the life of Hezekiah. Anybody with me? Anybody want to take that step? I want to say a prayer for you. Let's pray. If you're ready to receive Jesus, say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins and take over my life. Others of you, if you're ready to be a Hezekiah, check it out. Just say this. Say, God, I want to live a life like Hezekiah. I want to put you first in my life. I want to put you first in my home. I want to seek you first every day. So right now, God, I want to ask you, where do you want me to start over? What do you want me to start with? Make it clear to me, God. I'll change things even in this service. I'll change things on the way home. I'll change things when I get home. I'll change what I listen to. I'll change what I watch. I'll change whatever it is. I'll, I'll get rid of whatever you want me to. God, I want you first. And I'm going to turn to you with all of my heart and strength. Thank you, God, for your grace. Lord, I want to pray also for those who are about to give. And some of them for the first time. They're going to take that challenge. I pray, God, that you give them the courage to trust you, that you are the God who provides. And I pray this isn't just a one-time thing. I pray this is a forever thing. And this church or whatever church they go to, I pray that it's just a first thing they do every time they get a check, any income. They're going to honor you, God. And Lord, would you show them that they could never outgive you? Show them that you are a great God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we thank God for his word, guys? Put your hands together.